there, this is Jen Wade, part of the core team here at Springs Church. We just want to say thank you so much for joining us and listening to our podcast. We are praying that it encourages you and it inspires you. And if you'd like to find out more about Springs Church, please visit our website, springschurch.co.uk. Here's today's message. Praise God for that. 
Well, maybe he gave her his answer. Some of you thought that's too obvious. She wouldn't have asked the question if the answer was obvious, so you went a bit deeper, some of you. And you thought, okay, maybe, maybe the answer is Jesus came to earth to seek and save the lost. Yeah? The Son of Man, Luke, Luke 19, 10, the Son of Man came to find people and save them. That is absolutely something he came to do, and that's what he said he came to do. For some of you, it's even deeper than that. I can see it in your eyes. If you don't give the obvious one, if you don't get the most pointedly obvious one, let's dig deeper. Why did Jesus come to earth? I know, Jesus came to give us life, and life to the full. John 10, 10, a thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, but I came to give life, life in all its fullness. Hallelujah for that. That is indeed one of the promises that Jesus makes us, and it's true. But some of you, you got the cherry on top with this one, I'm sure of it. Because some of you got this one. Why did Jesus come to earth? Jesus came to earth to enable us to go to heaven when we die, to give us eternal life. The most famous verse in the whole Bible, John 3.16, the most, one of the most repeated statements we hear, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So all those statements are true. If you've got any of them, well done, a star, you're going to King Gates. Excellent. But here's the curveball. Because if that were the end of a sermon, that would be really, really quick. That would have taken no prep. And I would be feeling a bit of missing right now. Here's the curveball. Here's where we deviate from the traditional Easter Sunday message. Because Jesus asked that same question. Do you know that? People ask him, why have you come? Why have you come to earth? And so how did Jesus answer the question? What did Jesus say his mission statement was? Well, in the book of Matthew, Mark and John, the very first thing that he said when he's initiating his ministry, when he's starting off on his ministry, is this. This is from Matthew 4, verse 17. It says, from that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Interesting that Jesus started his ministry on earth by declaring that the kingdom of heaven kingdom of heaven is near. Now you could be forgiven for being a bit confused by that statement. I was. Because as a young person in youth group at my church, I was taught the kingdom of heaven was a place you went to when you died. I remember hearing so many messages at Sunday and a Sunday at church that were about many people ready to die and go to heaven. You know, if you die today, if you die today, do you know where you live? There used to be a man stood by the underpass uh, by Molyneux Stadium on match day with like an A board on that was saying very, very, very loudly, heaven or hell, it's your choice. <laughs> and all the football fans, bless him, would just ignore him and carry on because the hot dog stand was right next to him. I remember hearing one American preacher come to the area when I was about 17 and uh, some of you would have been there that night, I'm not saying names, bless him. And uh, he was uh, yelling at the top his voice to a room of 200 teenagers, are you ready to die? <laughs> no? I was 17, man, I wasn't ready to die, I barely lived. And if this reminds my head, if this Christianity stuff is all about going to heaven when you die, why start at 17? Just wait till you're 18 and live a bit first. <laughs> but then if that didn't do the trick and scare me, 
this same preacher with really good abuse because there's always the threat of the rapture. I remember that same guy on that same night telling us, no one knows when the trumpet will sound and the Lord will return. What will you do? Where will he find you? I remember being such a funny kind of never shaving my legs again. In case God came, the trumpet would sound and I'd be taken up to heaven with one shaved and one not shaved. Or, and that's why I've got so many scars around my ankles from doing it so quickly. In case the trumpet sound, I remember hearing one preacher saying he was terrified of going to the cinema as a kid. In case he was sat in the cinema and half into the film, the trumpet sounded and he was taken up to heaven with the Lord and that he'd be spending the rest of eternity walking around heaven grabbing people saying, do you know how that film ended? <laughs> what happened? Now don't get me wrong, I'm starting to get older now. 41 now. Some of you are definitely getting older now, I can see you. And it's good news that we have an eternity secured with Jesus. It's good news that because of Jesus, we are we can be confident that we're going to spend eternity in heaven with him. We good news that grave has no victory and death has no sting. We should celebrate those things. But that isn't what Jesus came to declare. He didn't say he came to get us into heaven. What he said was he came to declare that the kingdom of heaven was near. Not up there, you know, pie in the sky when we die one day, but right here, right now, where we live. When he taught us to pray, he taught us, what, what did he say? Pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Where? On earth. On earth as it is in heaven. That's why the Apostle Paul wrote in Colossians 1.27, Christ in you is the hope of glory. Jesus came to prepare a people who would transform this world into his kingdom. So if that's what he came to declare, we have to ask the obvious and slightly provocative question. When did we miss the point? Where did it all go wrong? Because I look at the world right now and it doesn't look very heavenly. And the problem is that we live in such a highly individualized world. The culture that we're part of values the individual above everything else. Self-expression, self-determination, self-identification. And it's so easy to turn faith into the same thing. Often we turn Easter into a highly personal, individualised, privatised part of our lives. We even preach it. We hear the preachers tell us that we need to repent of our sins, accept Jesus as our personal Lord and Saviour. You may have sat through many Easter Sunday messages like that. Messages that tell us that becoming a Christian is a decision that I make to have Jesus forgive my sins. Don't get me wrong, it's true. Salvation is deeply personal. Thank God for that. It's not just me believing what someone else believes. It's Jesus giving me a personal revelation of his love and salvation for me. Thank you, Jesus, for that. Jesus, look, you, and if you've never heard that before, thank you that I get to be the first one to tell you that Jesus loves you and died to forgive your sins and draw you personally back into oneness with God. Let's not belittle that. And if you've never made that decision, you need to do it. But the problem with the 21st century Western church is so often that we lead people to that point and they consider it job done. Like that's Jesus' mission accomplished. But I want to challenge that idea today in the light of Jesus' mission statement. Because while the message of Easter may start a 
and Phil starts with a personal decision that we each make to follow him. It doesn't end there. That's not the hope of Easter. It doesn't end with your life transformed. That's half the message. Jesus let himself explain it to his disciples this way. After he'd risen from the dead, he gathered them all around. He's telling them, I'm going to go back to heaven now to be with the Father. And they ask him, why, why are you leaving us? And this is what he said. In John 14, 12, he says, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going back to the Father. In other words, Jesus came to draw and form us into a functioning body, complete with the limbs and ligaments and muscles who each do their own part to do the work of Jesus on earth together. Ephesians 4, 16 says, from him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Faith in Jesus, as Teresa, is not just about enhancing our own individual lives. It's about becoming part of a community of believers, the body of Christ, the Bible calls it, which is used by God to transform the world into the glorious place it was intended to be, to declare that the kingdom of heaven is near, and you are part of that body. I know what you're thinking. I saw you just out in the corner of your eye, then looking around and thinking, Crikey, these people have got a strategy for drawing change. God help the world. <laughs> I know what you're asking of yourself. The church is waiting now to change the world. Isn't the church just completely ineffective? to make any kind of change in this world. And it's easy to take that view of the church as being this feeble, blind entity. It's very easy on some Sunday mornings, I assure you. And when we only focus on the British church, we could be forgiven for thinking that church is a dying thing. Fewer people call themselves Christians in the UK than ever before. Church attendance is at an all-time low. But often that's got far more to do with our materialism and our individualism as a nation than it does to do with the power of God diminishing. Because one look at the global church tells us that that is not the picture. And God is having a massive impact in building the kingdom of heaven on earth through his church. So what I'm about to share with you is not us bragging, being proud, or wallpapering over the cracks and things that aren't right with the global church. But this is just celebrating where God is and acknowledging where God is at work building his kingdom here. Did you know that more food aid and water aid programs in the developing world are run by Christian organisations than any other group. According to the UN, nearly 58% of organisations that are working to alleviate poverty in the developing world are Christian ones. It works for the global church a huge proportion of the work done to alleviate homelessness, malnutrition, preventable childhood diseases, poor access to clean drinking water, and a whole host of needs simply would not happen on the scale it does if it worked for the body of Christ at work on earth. And in terms of global church growth, Yes, the UK may be in decline, but in China, it is exploding. 40 years ago, there were 900,000 Christians in China. Today, there are 100 million, and every day that number increases. God is using his body all over the world to bring the prosperity and peace of the kingdom of heaven on earth today. And it's not just in the big grand scale stuff either. We also find God working in through his body, the nitty gritty, the grassroots places right here in our door. I don't know if you know this, but during COVID, a group of Christians from Dudley, from churches across the borough, got together 
and try to make sure that children in public schools that would normally have free school meals didn't go hungry when they were at school because they've got fed. Because God doesn't want children to go hungry. In the kingdom of heaven, children are not hungry. He's a God that cares about the hungry. And there's people in this church that are part of that project. And together they facilitate the preparation and delivery of meals and provide out to the people that live in children in Dublin. Just two years ago, and I had one home house here in Bournemouth. When, um, when they asked him uh, why he had to go back to heaven, the, the church is, the, the Bible, the history of the church is full of the stories of the impact of, of um, the church on the lonely, the hungry, the unemployed, the disenfranchised, and the poor in our community. Some of you are sat here today just as evidence of that history of grace. Jesus is working for his church, it's not all his dream. The kingdom of heaven is indeed at hand, and that's what Easter's all about. That's what Jesus came for. The true hope of Easter is not, not just about what happens when you die, it's not just about putting a new person in the right with God, it's about Jesus by his Holy Spirit coming into our life captivating our hearts and changing our mindsets and transforming us into agents of change. People who declare by the Spirit of God that the kingdom of heaven is near. That's why Jesus did. So Easter may start with a personal encounter with Jesus for each of us, but that is not the end point. That is not job done. Easter starts with you, but it ends with a world transformed with Christ in you as an agent of change. Christ in you as the hope Jesus himself said it in Luke 17, 21. Behold, the kingdom of God is within you. The good news of Easter is about the hope of the whole world as the kingdom of God is built on earth as it is in heaven through the individual lives that Jesus touches. So what's it look like? Or what should it look like? This kingdom of heaven thing that Jesus said was near. What was he talking about? It's all very well me waxing lyrical about what global change looks like. But what does the Bible say the kingdom of heaven will be like? The early audience for Jesus' words, we've talked about this, they would have known what he meant by this phrase, kingdom of heaven. It feels a bit alien for us. But back then, the Jewish people heard them talk about the kingdom of heaven all the time in their synagogues. They would often read from this chapter, the 65th chapter in Isaiah. And this is what it says about what the kingdom of heaven is like. Pay close attention now. I'm creating new heavens and a new earth. All the earlier troubles, chaos and pain are things of the past to be forgotten. Look ahead with joy. Anticipate what I'm creating. I'll create Jerusalem as sheer joy. Create my people as pure delight. I'll take joy in Jerusalem and take delight in my people. No more sounds of weeping in the city. No more cries of anguish. No more babies dying in the cradle or old people going joyless in lifetimes. One hundredth birthdays will be considered normal, and if it may still seem like a cheat. They'll build houses and move in. They'll plant fields and eat what they grow. No more building a house that some outsider takes over. No more planting fields that some enemy confiscates. For my people will be as long-lived as trees. My chosen ones will have satisfaction in their work. Gosh, how many would like that? Satisfaction in your work. They won't work and have nothing come of it. They won't have children snatched out from under them. For they themselves are planted and blessed by God, with their children and grandchildren likewise God blessed. Before they call out, I'll answer. Before they finish speaking, to declare that that kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, was near. And in that kingdom, children don't die in infancy from diseases like polio, measles and TB. People who already have cures and vaccines, they will live. T. 
So you may not snatch away like counter violence gangs or drug addictions or gang crime because they've got no one telling them they could be so much more. They'll be blessed. In the kingdom of heaven, everyone will have a job in the vineyard. Everyone will have a means to earn an honest living. Everyone will have a home to live in and a community to belong to. No one's going to sit on their own night after night with no one to talk to and nothing to live for. But I can see that I've laid hands on. I'm giving you what he's got to give me, and I'm thinking I'm going to want you to rest. That's 19 minutes and 42 seconds. Get on with it. I'm saying this because if you're a Christian this morning, this is the kind of world that we should be committed to creating. Jesus came to declare that that kingdom was near, and it is today is being built in and through us, his church. And that's why this is Sunday. I don't want you to just listen to a nice message about Jesus dying for you. So you can put your hand up in the air and say you're a Christian at the end of it. Oh, that's job done. Or pat yourself on the back and put a prayer in your face in case you go to one. I'm done. I'm in. I want you to surrender your life to Jesus today. I don't want you to just say that you believe in him. I want you to invite Jesus to invade you flow into you, to come alive in you by his spirit, to take you and use you as an instrument of change for his kingdom. That's why Jesus came. That's why Jesus came. That's why he died. That's why he rose again. That's the true hope of Easter. It's not just you transformed. It's the world transformed through Christ in you. But you might think, no, that's too much for me. I can hear the objections mentally already in my skin. That's too much for me. And I can say, I know, I can tell you myself, loads of times, that's too much for me. It's too much need in our world for me to fix it. What can I do? I'm too old. I'm too young. I'm too poor. I'm too busy. I can't do it. Let me tell you, that's not true. Not everyone's going to be called to become like a Martin Luther King Jr. or like a Teresa. Challenging the systems of injustice on a global scale. But all of us, all of us who have the Spirit of God living in us, have the calling to build the kingdom of God wherever he's put us. So I want to finish with a lovely story, a very true story, about how simple this can look. This is a story that um, Carolyn Campbell has shared many, many times I've heard him talk about. This is about a friend of his. And uh, it's about a lady, that, yeah, a friend of his, that would often go to the department store in America at Christmas time called Nordstrom. Very posh, people didn't feel like it. And she'd go there, not because she could afford biking, but because she loved the decorations of Christmas. She's a very individualistic person, she loved the stands, she loved the and uh, every year she'd go and she'd enjoy the morning lights and the music. And one year she was on the top floor looking at the party dresses, very expensive party dresses on the top store, top, top floor at Nordstrom. And in the corner of the room she heard the elevator being going in and out, but it was homeless lady. Filthy, dirty, homeless bag lady. Carrying all of the world's possessions in a wheel bag by herself. And the woman watching half expecting the security guard to come over and shut her out of the shop. She was feeling in the wrong place. But instead, a very stately saleswoman walked up to her and said, Good afternoon, lady. Can I help you? And the bag lady said, Yeah, I want to buy a dress. And so the saleswoman said, What kind of dress? You want a party dress? So the saleswoman said, Very, very good choice. Let me ask you the best dress in the world. Come with me, I'll show you our collection. They walked over to some of the racks and they started picking out dresses that would go well with about 10 or 15 minutes of deciding which ones. The sound lady said, would you like to try them on? 
How was I going to fit in? But I walked into a training room and a dismal shopping wing on a brand accident and listened through the, the walls. She could listen to the conversation and she listened and they undressed this fag lady, dressed her in these dresses and complimented on how pretty she looked and how beautiful she looked. After they got her back dressed, they were going to take the dresses back outside and the fag lady turned around and said, I've changed my mind and I'm going to buy a dress today. And myself and her two girls was crying all right. But here's my call. If you ever come back to North Shields again, please ask for me. It will be my honour of serving again. When the bad lady left, the Christmas shopping lady was just about to go up to the salesman and say, Why did you do that? And as she got close to her, she noticed a little pin on her blouse that said the letters WWJ, which means, What would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? So you don't have to be a, a, a world leader to be used by God to make the world change. Fat thousands by the Spirit of God in her turn a department store from just a mark and flow shop into an outpost for the kingdom of God. Because it doesn't matter what your job is. You don't have to work for a church or a Christian NGO to be used by God wherever you are and whatever you do. Whether you work behind the counter of a bank, Classroom, a doctor's surgery, or an office block. Jesus died and rose again at Easter so that he could dwell within us, cleanse us, transform us, and use us to bring love and kindness to, and hope to the world around us. That's declaring that the kingdom of God is near. Easter is a message of hope in the world that looks down. That's why we call it the good news. Can the band come back up? Because the traditional way to end an Easter message like this would be to offer people the chance to become Christians. The preacher will usually lead people in a, in a prayer that we call the salvation prayer, where you declare your belief in Jesus' salvation and ask him to forgive you and come into your heart. But I'm not going to do that this morning. Because I'm more and more convinced that becoming a Christian is about far more than just saying a prayer and believing in him. Being a Christian is about personally encountering a God who will begin the process of transforming you into an agent of change. That's what the book of Jesus is all about. That's what Easter is all about. That's why he came, to declare the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So what I'm going to do instead is invite you this morning, not to say that you believe in Jesus, because you know what? Jesus never asked us to go into all the world and make people believers. He asked us to go into all the world and make disciples. And the disciple is someone that follows him, that copies him, that does what he so I'm going to ask you this morning to surrender yourself as a disciple of Jesus. I'm inviting you to stand with me today and surrender to Jesus, whether for the first time or for the first time in a long time. You may have been playing at this thing for years. Today you've got the chance to say to Jesus, here I am, Lord, take me and change me and use me for your kingdom. So will you stand and ask Jesus to dwell with you and transform you? use you to bring hope to a hopeless world? <coughs> Will you stand and ask God to touch you by his spirit, to bring your heart to life once more, to invigorate you with passion and purpose to build his kingdom wherever you find yourself to be? Will you stand and declare that you want to be used as an agent of change in a world of need? That's all you can do.
Thanks again for listening. To hear more of our messages, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and our podcast channel for past preachers. If you feel like you got something out of today's message, why not share it with your friends and spread the good news of Jesus? We are praying for you. We love you. So please, if you need anything at all, check out springschurch.co.uk. God bless.